hour number two. Strikers Fair Family Fun Center Studios. JB, the Titans are in Jacksonville Sunday at noon. And uh, I'll let you uh, introduce your friend, our guest, from Jacksonville or in Jacksonville. Maybe not from there. No, she's from Jersey. Oh, okay. Well, well okay. She'll come up here and kick your ass, too, if you well, get out of line. There's, Mia hey, O'Brien there, there, hey, from... We don't need to ship anybody in. There's plenty of <laughs> yeah, people you got, right here you got that me. want to do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, Mia O'Brien covers the Jaguars for 1010XL down in Duval. Mia, good morning. Thanks for being on the show. Good morning. I'm not sure I have the same punch as John Burton, um, but I have been hitting the Peloton shadow boxing classes hard. Does that count? That's what I'm talking about. I've been seeing you on. I've been seeing you on social. Get your work in. I like it. Trying, trying a little cardio this morning. Although I got to tell you guys, especially as we look ahead to Sunday's matchup, we've had an awful nor'easter. I'm not sure what the weather's been up in Nashville. Mm-hmm. It has been raining for the past god six days. We haven't seen the sun since Friday. Thankfully, the reports are that we will, in the forecast, see the sun by Saturday morning, and then obviously looking like perfect temperatures Sunday at the bank. But my goodness, it has been a not ideal weather if you're looking to run outside or just enjoy 70-degree weather. Well, I can tell you here, it's about 70 degrees, not a cloud in the sky, a little bit of a breeze. So I don't know where this, you know, you know I'm from the Northeast like you are. We've, you know, both experienced, experienced some horrible winters, and this is a lot better than where we're from, I'll tell you that. I wish I was kidding. Like, I feel like I'm in Ithaca or my old stomping grounds in <laughs> Iowa again, where we went like 20 straight days not seeing the sun. My wow. boyfriend looked at me last night, and he's like, we haven't seen the sun since Friday. Um, so <laughs> a little wacky weather, but thankfully uh, the hope is that it'll be out of the way by Sunday. Let's start here. Uh, Zay Jones, any update on uh, his situation, and uh, should we expect to see him on Sunday? Yeah, first and foremost, obviously, we will let the legal process play out. That's from the Jaguars. It's from Zay's camp. That's from my personal standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, but from what the police report has stated, from what we have been told, the incident occurred with the mother of his child during a custody swap on Monday. Apparently, again, this is according to the police report and the official report when he appeared in court Tuesday morning, he tried to scratch or not scratch snatch her necklace or at least made a motion to grab at it and when officers arrived they saw some forms of what could be fingernails on her neck and florida legal rule states that if if an officer is called for a domestic dispute one of the two parties must be arrested and so uh, unfortunately given you know the uncertainty of that exact situation it was they that had to bear the brunt of that um he is back in the facility he was limited yesterday I don't think he was even going to be able to play as the Jags have been very cautious with bringing him back. He obviously had that bone bruise earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. They brought him back for the Buffalo game. He catches a touchdown, and then he promptly somehow re-aggravates either that injury or a different injury. It's in the same knee, but we have not been told exactly what it is. And so they've been extremely cautious anyway. So he probably wasn't going to play anyways this week. He still could because he is practicing. He's in the building. And Doug Peterson said yesterday, until they hear otherwise from the league, all they know is that he has a court date on December 6th. But other than that, he is free to continue arriving to work and playing for the Jaguars. Mia, the the last game notwithstanding, Jacksonville looks like it's picked to win the division. A lot of people picking them to go deep in the playoffs. Is there an angst or a little bit of anxiety about this or surrounding this team because well the expectation levels have increased obviously as Trevor Lawrence progressed and the talent base has improved dramatically the last couple of years how does that 
fan base feel because, you know, they want it to happen and it may or may not happen for a team that is expected to happen too. Does that make sense? Totally. Uh, the fan base is concerned as all get out. I get texts <laughs> every day from friends in a panic about the offense is not performing to the level we expected them to. The defense can't keep up the level that they were performing at the first eight weeks of the season. It's all going to go to heck in a handbasket real quick. Um, I can tell you from talking to the players in that locker room, from people in the front office, from the coaching staff, the reality is, and I hope I'm not uh, out of line in saying this, it's the NFL, you're going to get your ass handed to you from time to time. Um, those blowouts happen. I talked to one player yesterday off the record, and he said, he's like, don't you remember the Detroit game last year where we got blown out by three scores? And that was after that dramatic win against the Ravens where, wait for it, Zay Jones catches a two-point conversion that Doug Peterson went for with nine seconds left on the clock. And so, or 20 seconds left on the clock, whatever it was. And so the reality is, is that you can look at last week as a one-off, But Jaguar fans are petrified because it's not just that game. It's that they're one in three now at home. Um, And the concern of why are they struggling at home but doing so well on the road? Why have they only scored outside of that Colts game one touchdown in their other three contests at Everbank Stadium? That's where I think fans are disgruntled because for those who haven't traveled to away games, they're not seeing the offense that they were told that they would see. And even for those that have traveled, it's looked competent at times, but it hasn't looked like the greatest show on turf that was advertised during training camp. Mia O'Brien joins us from 1010XL in Jacksonville, covers the Jaguars. That's a flagship station for Jaguars football down in Duval. So, Mia, you know, we talked about last week, them, you know, Jags getting their asses handed to them by the 49ers. Do you think the uh, organization came away from that game shell-shocked, or do you think, they're going to be more locked in facing a Titans team where, you know, they could basically end the Titans season with a win on Sunday. And, you know, anytime you have a chance to do that against a division rival, you want to take advantage of it. Yeah, there's been a lot of speculation um, just to take you in, you know, inside the lines and I guess in between the weeds here. Um, but Doug Peterson took 45 minutes to get to his postgame press conference on Sunday. Um, it has been confirmed that was because he was meeting with owner Shad Tan. And so hmm. a lot of speculation of, oh, like was Shad reading in the riot act? I can tell you I talked to several people yesterday. He was not reading in the riot act. If anything, Todd was marveling at, you know, whether you want to note that it was a lot of Niner fans or a lot of Jag fans, how many people were in the stadium and, you know, how unfortunate the loss was, but the fact that the fan base has rallied around this team on a five-game win streak at the time and then also wanted to introduce him to a bunch of investors. And so some people have speculated that was that conversation about Doug Peterson taking back play calling. I have been told that no decision like that has been made at this time. Um, and so as far as the temperature in the building goes, they're looking at it as a one-off. There, there's no concern. They look at it as these division games are the ones they have to block in on. And you saw them lock in against the Colts, and that was obviously no small task because they were coming off of having been in London for a week and a half, two wins, including a dramatic one over the Bills where they could have gotten too high given Buffalo's standing at the time mm-hmm. and easily flipped up against Indianapolis. They did not. And so uh, Doug Peterson has placed an emphasis on divisional games. And so many people in that building have said this week that the focus is obviously the next game, which is the Titans. But the reality is if you win against the Titans and you win at Houston the following week, 
you essentially could have the division wrapped up before Christmas. Wow. Not even before Christmas, before the calendar flips to December, um, which obviously as Titan fans know all too well, um, this division is kind of wacky and a lot of things can happen. But I think enough people in the building realize that, that there is some grounding after a 31-point loss last week, which, I mean, you guys can speak to this too. Like, there was no way you looked at that San Francisco 49ers team and said they're going to lose four straight <laughs> right. and they're going to be five and four. Like, right. they just like they just don't look like a five and four team. Murphy's law was going to set in at some point. Mia, yeah, it's great you uh, you led me to my next question because this division, right? We thought all summer here in Nashville, and I'm sure you did down in North Florida, that this was just going to be a two horse race, either Titans or Jaguars. All of a sudden. You know, Houston, D'Amico Ryans has done a great job with the Texans. I think he should be coach of the year. Obviously, C.J. Stroud is going to be the offensive rookie of the year. And the Colts, despite losing their young quarterback, have been super feisty, too. This division, you're right, this division is wacky. I think he hit the nail right on the head. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, trust me, I did not think C.J. Stroud would be the quarterback he is. Kudos to him. Mm -hmm. He is doing a lot of great stuff. I also think a lot of credit is due to Bobby Slowick, their offense coordinator, who, wait for it, not only is from the Kyle Shanahan tree and D'Amico Ryan brought him with him from San Francisco, but you go back to that 2013 Washington Redskins coaching staff that featured Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur. Guess who else was on that staff? Bobby Slowick. And so that's why it really shouldn't have surprised us that they could get this thing going so quickly because we knew how much the Texans had invested on their offensive line, who obviously I know – are banged up at this time, but they've been able to patchwork it. I thought Tank Dell was great in the pre-draft process. I really liked him. I think what's great, and I've stressed this to Jaguar fans this week, part of their success is because Tank Dell, Robert Woods, Nico Collins, Noah Brown, who no one even knew who he was five weeks ago, they have been allowed to just go downfield, improvise their routes, and make plays. And C.J. Stroud has been given the confidence to hey. You sit back in the pocket, let things develop, and we'll go from there. And the offensive line, to its credit, has done a good job of giving him enough protection. He's been able to read and navigate his way through the pocket. But things have been allowed to develop downfield. And those guys have a ton of speed. I said it week one, John. Would you rather the Colts' three wide receivers that they have in Downs, Pierce, and uh, Pittman or these three guys? I would take these three guys every day of the week. And I said that on the record September 10th. Um, so in that regard, it's not a surprise to me. I think what's a surprise, and this has been the big sticking point in Jacksonville this week, um, the stat came out the Jaguars ranked dead last in depth of routes run at 9.9 yards. Mm. They are the only team in the NFL that runs an average less than 10 yards per route for their entire offense for their wide receivers. And that is where a lot of the sticking point is, is at the offensive line and Trevor's not getting enough protection to allow those plays to develop. Or is it quite simply the design, which, while it is a carryover from last year in the offense that Doug Peterson developed, I have on good authority that Press Taylor and Trevor Lawrence also really were the two who tinkered with this offense in the offseason. And so am I going to call for Press's job? No. But when I look at this, so many people in the media in Jacksonville have been quick to blame the offensive line. But the reality is, if you just have Calvin Ridley running curl routes and not lining up in the slot, just having him outside where he can barely get off the line because he's getting jammed by two defenders, how can you expect him to be going downfield? It's just not a reality. And so uh, that's where I think, not that Doug Peterson has to take over the play calling, but he has to get more involved in the actual schematics and trying to get guys open downfield. It's, it's very obvious. You know, 
when you think of the Jags, I think of the Jags, I think offense. Obviously, the weapons that they mm-hmm. have, they're tight in. Obviously, mm-hmm. Lawrence, and you wonder Yeah, my guy, there. Evan Ingram, yeah. who suddenly learned how to catch footballs yeah. there, Mia. He, uh, yeah. He's dropping yeah. balls left mm-hmm. and right with my, with my, my god-awful Giants. But when I look I, at the – yeah, go ahead. He, he, he wears the, like, nighttime goggles now during pregame warm-ups. It made all the difference in the world. Who would have thought? <laughs> there you go. Um but the defense, I think as far as Jacksonville is going to go, as, as far as the defense is going to take them, I think very underrated. Well, maybe, maybe not. I mean, you just look at the numbers and takeaways, third down conversions. Uh, they just don't give up points. Uh, and, and I think that side of the ball will determine how far Jacksonville goes. And now you got Josh yep. Allen up against, uh, you know, an inexperienced left tackle potentially. So there you go. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, last week was the first time in about five weeks that we saw Josh Allen not lined solely up on the right tackle. He actually suffered a right shoulder injury week three against Houston. And kind of an underrated fact is that Trayvon Walker has predominantly been lining up on the left tackle. And he has really taken his game to the next level over the last two, three weeks. It doesn't necessarily show up in the stat department um, because it was two quarterback hits that probably should have been sacks. And the other one would have been a sack fumble if they hadn't ruled it intentional grounding on Brock Purdy last week. And so it's going to be curious to see because are they going to continue to move those guys back and forth? Is one predominantly on the left, predominantly on the right? But certainly Josh Allen is in a prove-it contract year. He knows that he has stepped up his game. For me, the bigger question mark through the second half of the season is going to be the return of Devon Hamilton, who looked like the best player on the defense in training camp. No Mm -hmm. question about it. That interior push, he looked like an all-pro. Then mysteriously – he goes on the non-football injury list, and we're told it's a non-football illness. We are revealed to, it's revealed to us that he had a pick line in. Um, again, we have not been told officially what he is, but for those of you who are familiar with medicine, John, especially knowing your background, knowing MMA, you probably could put two and two together for what we believe Devon Hamilton was dealing with and why he missed the first eight weeks of the season. Hmm. Um, he's only had 12 snaps against the Steelers, 16 snaps against the Niners, so they are very much easing him back in. But when he gets full strength, that's not only going to free up Roy Robertson-Harris more so he can slide more to that five-tech and maybe create some more pressure to help Josh Allen, but also I think you'll be able to see them bring maybe Trayvon Walker inside more, which they've only done on a handful of snaps. He did to much success against the Titans a couple of times in that matchup in Nashville last year. And so I think getting Devon fully healthy hopefully will unlock an even higher level of that pass rush. Mia O'Brien is our guest from 1010XL in Jacksonville, Florida. Mia, as we close out here, um, what have the uh, Jaguar defensive players, have they said anything about Will Levis? Are they impressed with him? Are they curious to know what it's going to be like going up against them? Any talk about the job that Will Levis has done since taking over as a starter uh, down in Duval. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Obviously, Josh Allen and him have the Kentucky connection, and right. so Josh has immense respect for him. I talked to Josh yesterday. I also talked to Dewan Smoot, um, veteran defensive end, and he said, you know, I said, what's the difference between Will Levis and previous Titans quarterback? And he kind of made a whoosh noise, and he goes, that boy gets the ball out quick. <laughs> um, and, and he was like, and he has a cannon. And so – Obviously, they are very well aware that this is not just another Titans quarterback. And if anything, you know, they all have kind of like laughed about it, knowing he once upon a time was in the Jaguars locker room with some of them. But the last time this Jaguars defense faced the Titans, Josh Dobbs 
was the quarterback of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Josh Allen was so funny. And if, if your listeners are diehards and they want to go look at our 10XL YouTube channel, those two interviews, they can. Josh was so funny yesterday because he's like, I'm not knocking Josh Dobbs. I love Josh Dobbs. But it's crazy to think. They had Josh Dobbs the last time we faced them. Now they have Will Levis. He's like, it's very crazy to think about. Um, so, yeah, no, they, they all heap praise on Will Levis. Uh, and we'll be back in the Jags locker room at 4 o'clock today. And so I'll get a chance to catch up with some more of them. But definitely I got a chance to talk to those three primary pass rushers and Josh Allen, Dewan Smoot, and Trayvon Walker. And they all have been very impressed with the rookie so far. <laughs> By the way, Josh Dobbs, was it incomplete or a fumble? Oh, it was a – well – I think it was a fumble. However, after the Iowa Hawkeye um, ruling of is it a fair catch, is it not a fair catch on that punt, mm. I have given up on trying to assess referees <laughs> at this current juncture um, because I don't know what a catch is. I don't know yep. what a fumble is. So, yeah, no. I mean, in my estimation, his arm never came all the way through, and so that's why I believe it was a fumble. Um, but obviously, too, you know, it, it got me another trip to Kansas City and a 27 nothing come from behind win. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, real, real quick. Uh, obviously, we're going to assume the Jags win the division. Mia, what's a realistic expectation for them in the playoffs in your mind? If you had told me in September, my I felt like they could make the AFC Championship game again. Um, as Week Two proved, they probably had this weird bugaboo with Kansas City. I don't know why because. They've hung with them. They have lost by one possession in their last two meetings to them. Uh, but the offense has struggled mightily. And so it's, it's very strange, what, whatever it is. If you want to say it's the Andy Reid, Doug Peterson, who's your daddy situation, that's fine. Um, <laughs> but I can't really put a finger on why they haven't been able to get past Kansas City. Um, if the offense continues with the trajectory they're at, there's a good chance they get balanced in the first round of the playoffs if they have to go against a team that is just a buzzsaw. Um, it's unfortunate to say, given this is a team that scored four touchdowns in the second half last year to beat the mighty offense of the Los Angeles Chargers, um, but right now it's very clear if there's any discontent in that locker room, it is on the part of Trevor Lawrence's wide receivers and Press Taylor. The three of them actually powwowed, um, Trevor, Christian Kirk, and Press, while we were in the locker room on Sunday after the game. Clearly, the three of them just like trying to figure out why there was so much miscommunication at the line of scrimmage, in the middle of plays. And so if that offense can figure it out, yeah, they could make a run at the title game. If that offense is still averaging only one touchdown per game, there's a chance they win the division, yes, but then it could get a little dicey come postseason time. Mia, always great to talk with you. Thanks for the info. I'm not traveling on this trip. Uh, it'll be Steve Lehman, but uh, I look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks again. Absolutely, brother. Appreciate you guys. All right. All right thank you, goes. Mia. Mia O'Brien from yeah. 1010XL in Jacksonville. Yeah. She, uh, she knows what's going on with this football team. She's, she's very plugged in.